Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast, episode number 34. My name is Haley. I'm going to be your host today and every single day that you are tuning in. Today, I am joined with Kayla Lyons, who is the founder of A Thousand Hours Dry. Now, if you're not familiar, A Thousand Hours Dry is an amazing online community that's alcohol-free, and they really support people who are on the alcohol-free path, sober, sober curious, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody that's interested in dipping their toes into this lifestyle, so many amazing resources, amazing people that you can connect with there. I had stumbled on A Thousand Hours Dry when I was um, fairly new along in my alcohol-free journey, and I had no idea that there was even a space out there that could connect people that were on this path. So today we really dive into sharing our experience. Kayla talks about what led her to creating A Thousand Hours Dry, sheds light on what led her to ultimately ditching alcohol, and we really just go over everything and anything. So if you're thinking about maybe ditching alcohol in this new year, you're thinking maybe you want to give it a try, go ahead and listen to this conversation, guys. I'm telling you some amazing insights here. Kayla is such a lovely person and we really had an awesome conversation. So if you're interested, stay tuned. All right, my friends, welcome back to the Philosophy of Fitness podcast. Today, I am joined with Kayla Lyons, the founder of A Thousand Hours Dry. Kayla, welcome. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to pick your brain and to talk about everything alcohol-free, everything in between. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to hopefully educate some minds today. Yeah, for sure. I have to say, first and foremost, um, I ditched alcohol. I just celebrated my one-year anniversary actually on New Year's Eve um, a couple days ago. So that was really exciting for me. But when I was about six months through, it was something that I sort of kept to myself for a really long time. Like, Not that I was ashamed of it, but it wasn't something that I had publicized. And I think around six months through, I decided I'm like, maybe there's other people out there that are also, um, you know, ditching alcohol and just decided that they didn't want it to be a part of their life anymore. So long story short, that's when I found a thousand hours dry. And I have to tell you, it is such a godsend. Like I think the sober, sober, curious, alcohol-free community is probably one of the most supportive spaces that I've found online. So kudos to you. Thank you. And congratulations on one year. That's a huge milestone. Yeah, thank you. So I guess we'll go ahead and dive into everything today. So I wanted to kind of start with giving everybody that's listening to this um, a little bit of a background. So obviously you're the founder of A Thousand Hours Dry, um, which is amazing. So I was wondering if you could kind of share a little bit about your backstory of your journey with going alcohol free and what kind of led you down this path of A Thousand Hours Dry. Yeah, so for sure. Um, I have been alcohol-free now for a little bit over four and a half years. And I started A Thousand Hours Dry about almost two years ago. So for me, you know, I got sober at 23. And this was before the, you know, online social media sober community was uh, even existed. So for me, you know, as a young person getting sober, I really didn't have a lot of options. I went to a treatment center and after that, their aftercare program is pretty much do a 12-step program. Like there weren't any other really suggestions, even though I was living in Los Angeles, which, you know, is kind of the hub of recovery. Uh, You know, that's where all the treatment centers are and that's where uh, a lot is going on. If you are in recovery, it's a great place to be. Um, but 
as time went on for me, um, I just wasn't fitting into the mold as, as I guess I would say of uh, a typical 12 step program goer. And I didn't know what to do, you know, because there wasn't anything else out there. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to stay alcohol free. I knew I wanted to stay sober because for me, it wasn't necessarily a health choice. I, I think that it's amazing, the sober curious movement that's going on, um, you know, being sober for the health of it. I 100% promote that. My personal story, though, is I do identify as somebody who has recovered from a substance abuse disorder. Alcohol and drugs were part of my story. So for me, you know, getting sober and staying sober were really crucial, not only to, uh, you know, my mental health, but just my life in general. And so I knew that I needed to stay sober no matter what, but what I was doing in the beginning just wasn't working for me. You know, uh, there was a sense of community, but there were some rules and I just, I'm a very out of the box person. I, I need no to little restrictions, uh, or I get very, you know, agitated and anxious. And so what really inspired me to start this online community was uh, definitely not altruistic. I needed a community for myself, um, you know, as a, especially as a young person in recovery, because, you know, you're 23, everybody around you is drinking, partying still, we're just out of college. And the norm is, every weekend we're going, we're getting drunk, you know, we're going to the clubs and then there's really no activity outside of drinking. Like alcohol is the activity itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so amazing. First of all, congratulations on still, you know, staying sober and doing what you're doing and transforming that um, experience that you went through and kind of finding your own way and carving your own path, especially like you said, as, as a young person, um, I mean, I'm only 24 years old, so I can totally relate. Um, mm-hmm. My personal story is I, you know, was never in recovery or anything like that. I had sort of just decided to eliminate alcohol for um, mental, emotional, you know, health reasons as well. I think it's multifaceted. Um, my why and my why also kind of changes as time goes on, which we'll get into later. But um, something that you said that I think is so important and something that's really difficult, especially as a young person, is our culture so heavily emphasizes alcohol with every social situation. Like anytime you hang out with your friends, it becomes an excuse to drink, or at least that's how it was in my old circle of friends. Like, you know, you watch The Bachelor, you drink with your friends, you go to the club, you go to the beach, you go to brunch, you hang out in your backyard. Drinking is such a huge part of everything. And I think that sometimes is what's scary for young people, especially to make the decision to, to stop drinking is because they fear that kind of social pressure. I mean, do you still feel like that social pressure is around um, even now? Um, I would say, at, you know, with the sober time I have under my belt, it is definitely lessened because I have a routine, right? So like one thing we push in the beginning of sobriety at a thousand hours dry really is like, your sobriety toolbox. So creating this toolbox with coping mechanisms, with uh, prevention, you know, how to deal with cravings, how to deal with social situations, and really building a lifestyle that 
is alcohol free. So you can continue to go and do things that may involve alcohol because unfortunately that's the majority of things um, without feeling a, like you're left out or B like you're gonna, you know, feel pressured or uncomfortable. And that's not to say that there aren't times that I don't feel uncomfortable, but when you feel confident in what you're doing and people know they respect you for it. And I can't tell you the amount of people that, you know, are close friends to me, my boyfriend's friends who are constantly like whenever I do show up at a party, because I really just don't go out a lot. I'm generally not a super social person. So when I do kind of make an appearance, you know, they, you know, drinkers love to be like, oh my God, like you're, I wish I could do what you're doing. And, you know, like it's, it's funny how it's like, the total opposite of the what it, what your anxiety tells you is that everyone's going to judge me, you know, everyone's going to notice that I'm not going drinking, and everyone's going to keep asking. When it's like, I had a girlfriend who's in the same group of friends who is not sober, but she did a thousand hours dry, and like all of her friends were like raving, and they were like, "Oh my god, like that's so awesome!" So you know, I think it's it's a fallacy this idea that going sober is so boring or you know, everyone's going to judge me. It's, it's really something that's admirable. And uh, I think we need to, uh, you know, educate people on that more so they can feel more confident about their choice. Not like it's, you know, you're not giving something up. You're actually investing in yourself and doing something that people, a lot of people wish that they could do and, and don't. Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with everything you said a thousand percent. Like I remember, when I first um, decided to stop drinking, I kept the decision to myself because I was so anxious when I first started, you know, what are people going to think of me? Um, no, uh, people are going to think I'm boring now. They're not going to want it to invite me anywhere. And just all this kind of, you know, self-doubt that trickles in. But part of what I've realized, at least in my experience, and I'm not sure if you can relate, is that not having alcohol in my life now has actually been the most empowering decision I've made. It's given me a sense of confidence, a sense of self-worth that I never had before. Whereas I thought I needed to have alcohol to, you know, be having fun at a party or to be somehow accepted or to seem more social or more um, outgoing. Whereas it's actually the inverse, which is really crazy because I know for me, when I was first started this, I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought I would tell people I don't drink and they would think I was you know, a freak or they wouldn't really, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's funny how it all sort of, um, unravels. Well, it's a stigma, right. And, and we have multiple stigmas in our society, you know, addiction and alcohol and sobriety being one of them, because it's, it's basically completely glorified. And, you know, basically what you said, going back to everything that people do revolves around alcohol. And to me, half the time when my friends are, you know, quote unquote, doing something, the actual activity itself is alcohol. So like, Hey guys, let's get together and drink. I'm like, well, are we going to like do something else? Like, is there (laughs) going to be like games? Are we going to watch a movie? It's like, no, we're just going to like hang out and like listen to music. I'm like, and you think I'm boring. Like that's yeah. boring as fuck. Like you're, <laughs> like you're literally not doing anything. So yeah. the, the crazy thing is, right? Like how would somebody feel if you were like, hey girl, like, do you want to come over and like drink water with me? Yeah. 
Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, girl. Like, I'm pretty yeah, hydrated. Um, yeah, right. What's, what's, so it's, it's this idea, this mind, you know, a mindset shift that we need to have and that we need to, you know, allow people to consider that it's, it's not really an activity, right? Like, it's a drug and yeah. it's a mind altering substance. And it's really not that exciting. And so, and that's one thing I noticed as I got older too, because I thought, you know, okay, I'm, you know, this kind of sucks at 23, but like, I'm going to get older and my friends are going to grow out of it. And I'm going to have, you know, more, more chill stuff, but that was totally not true. The majority of the people that I know still drink pretty heavily. And even though I, even though I have sober friends, it is really hard to find people who actually mindfully drink or moderately drink like according to CDC guidelines, you know? Um, and this is not coming from a judgmental place. Like I, I, obviously we were drinkers and there's a reason we're sober. Yeah. Um, but it is hard to, you know, watch people around you consume something that you know is so unhealthy for them and it can feel alienating, but I kind of have to remind myself, like, there's a revolution happening. We are, you know, creating a seat at the table for our, you know, our people. And we might feel isolated now in the minority, but in reality, there are 30% of Americans don't drink. Like, that's an, a huge fucking number. Yeah. So all we have to do is increase that by 20% and we're half you know? So just, I remind myself, like, we're at the forefront of a revolution of, of changing people's wellness, hopefully, you know, really decreasing deaths, decreasing heart-related death, decreasing just a general smorgasbord of, you know, health-related problems. Um, and to me, that's, that's super rad, and that's way more important than what fucking Karen thinks of me, you Hell know, yeah. At the, par- at the party. <laughs> Absolutely. <fuck> yeah. <laughs> no, for real. I, um, that's so true. Like, especially now, I feel like we are, you know, you are definitely at the, the way forefront of this movement, but I feel like now, you know, as we go into 2021, this is really starting to take off on a global scale. Like we are having our voice be heard right more and more. And I think the more that people like us speak up about this and sort of share our experience will inspire more people to also, you know, explore sobriety, maybe sober curious, whatever it might be. Um, because I know at least in my life, once I started to be a lot more open about my experience and share it, I had tons of people reaching out to me also sharing that they were thinking about ditching alcohol or their experience with it, their struggle, or, you know, just curiosity in general. And I think a big part of that is, is having the courage to speak out. And it's scary sometimes, right? Cause you always have that little voice in your head. That's like, are people going to judge me? Is this going to be, this is so against the norm, right. Of, of what everyone does in our age demographic, especially like, but if you have the right people around you too, you know, people will accept you for your choice and people will um, praise you for your choice because it's a healthy choice that should be celebrated. You know, it's not something that we should hide away or, or we should be proud of the decision to put our health first, like mentally, spiritually, physically. So 100%. I, I think just like anything else here, we have to remember, like, I take everything with a grain of salt. Like we, I love America, but like, look at our track record, right? Like, 
50 years ago, people were smoking cigarettes when they were pregnant, smoking in airplanes, smoking literally everywhere. You know, a hundred years ago, people were like taking cocaine. They thought it was good for you. Like it was like an ailment for everything, you know? And then before that we had heroin literally on the shelves at like pharmacies. So this idea that, oh, you know, alcohol can't possibly be that bad for you because it's, it's socially accepted and, you know, it's sold at stores and it's sold at restaurants, but it's really just this huge successful marketing campaign that has happened and it's total bullshit. Like I, I try and compare it to, uh, you know, the engagement ring and most people don't know the engagement ring is total bullshit. It doesn't come from anywhere. Like this idea that, no, so, so I'm a consumer marketing major. And so we learn a lot about, you know, how, how to get people to buy shit, how to get people to, you know, you know, purchase your service. And the engagement ring actually came from the beers diamonds, which is, you know, like the biggest diamond retailer in the, in the, in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, they created a campaign, uh, probably like it's like, I can't believe it's 2021, probably like a hundred years ago or something, you know, um, maybe less, less time than that actually. So they created a campaign to sell diamonds saying like, oh, uh, you know, this is the engagement ring. You, you buy it when you want to propose to somebody. It's, it's the diamonds are forever. Like that's where that saying comes from. And that turned, that turned into, you know, it's, it's a social thing, right? So like a couple people start doing it and everybody feels obligated because like, oh, well, Susan got a ring. So like, I want a ring. And now it is right. The social norm, like, I don't know anybody that gets engaged that, that doesn't have a ring. And it's literally like, there's no cultural roots. There's no actual anything behind it. It was literally just a marketing ploy from a diamond company. And that that's is where, fascinating. I never knew that. Yeah. So it, it's crazy. The same thing with toothpaste. Like, I mean, I can recommend you some wow. really good books about it, but yeah, it's, it's amazing to me. Basically, you know, as a marketer, I applaud big alcohol because they, they really have fooled everybody, but r- realistically that's, that's what has happened. Like we have been fooled into thinking you need alcohol for fun. All things to you know, all things social need to revolve around alcohol. My dinner has to, there has to be, you know, a drink at at the restaurant at my dinner. So it's like, when you really think about and ask yourself, and I ask people, my friends all the time, you know, like, so why are you drinking now? And it's like, well, I, because it's Friday. I'm like, okay, cool. But like, is that a reason, you know, or are you just doing it because it's a habit and because, you know, it's the social norm to have a drink on the weekends. So it's really just, it's kind of a, a sheep thing to do. And I was totally, you know, part of that matrix, but it's kind of like, you know, taking the little blue pill and now being on the other side, you see what's really going on and it's crazy, but it's, it's not dumbfounded because this is literally to me exactly what tobacco did. And we can look back and that was even recent and, and see, wow, like we really were completely fooled. You know, it was totally socially normal, just like alcohol was. And now look, you know, people are doing it, but nobody's going around bragging about how much they smoke. 
you know, it's, it's normally a shameful thing. And so I would like to see alcohol going in that direction. That is such an amazing point of tying, you know, tobacco to alcohol. Now, I think honestly, we're, we're at the beginning now of whenever tobacco started phasing out, we're probably at the start of that phase now, because like you said, so many people are starting to, you know, that sheep analogy, it's like once the veil has been lifted and you see the other side of it, you're like, what the hell was I doing? Like, and kind of going off of what you said too, especially the marketing that surrounds alcohol right now is, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure you saw what Tropicana had with their recent ad that I think they took down oh, yeah. within a day. Yeah. That was just ridiculous. Um, but the whole industry as, as a whole, it's like, um, it definitely sort of plays with your psyche and, and makes you think that you need that to be like validated or you need it to unwind, right? That was a big thing with Tropicana. It's like self-care. It's like self-care is not drowning your sorrows with a bottle of booze in your bathroom. Like that is not self-care, you know? No. And I think it's a lot of people have come to me in, in kind of a counter, right? Because I, I want to surround myself with people who do have other opinions because if I just surround myself with like-minded people, I'm not going to grow. Um, but when they say something like, well, you know, everything in moderation, that's kind of, you know, what people like to validate their drinking with. And my kind of counter to that is for sure. Like I'm a very like health conscious person, but I do every once in a while, like if my boyfriend and I have a date night and there's like a really bomb dessert on the menu, I'll order it you know, but that's not happening every weekend. It's maybe happening once a month. And to me, that's mindful consumption, right? Because I'm aware like processed sugar is, is the devil, like white, white, (laughs) white, white sugar is, is horrible for you. Um, and is just as dangerous in a lot of ways, um, as drugs. So, you know, having that piece of cake to me is, it's an enjoyment, it's a treat, but it's, seldom and rare, you know, it truly is. And so for me, when people say, well, you know, this glass of wine is comparable to that. I'm like, okay, you know, Jackie, are you, are you having that glass of wine months a month? Or are you having it every weekend or every night? So this idea of, well, I'm being moderate or I'm being mindful. People trick themselves into thinking that they're moderating because it's their idea of moderation. But in reality, there's you know, there's no amount of alcohol that's good for you. Just like there's no amount of cake that's good for you. Um, But I personally like don't have a problem with mindful drinking. The problem is most people can't and don't do that. And, you know, have a skewed perception of, like you said, self-care. I'm, you know, going to treat myself Mm -hmm. to alcohol and this idea that alcohol is somehow a reward um, when in reality, you know, it's, it's really just stealing tomorrow's happiness. And that was something I read yesterday that really resonated with me. Yeah, that's powerful. That's so true. I think back to when I was in college and I don't know if you can relate to this, but I used to like live for my weekends. And I think that that's a a cycle that a lot of college kids get into, right? It's like you grind through the week and then you go out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And it's like, you live for that, but then you wake up with a terrible hangover and you can't even do anything the whole day, Saturday and Sunday. And it's just this vicious cycle that you get caught. And it's like, really? Like I used to think of that as like a reward for myself. 
Like I, it's, it's crazy how much my mindset has shifted and I'm sure yours too, you know, just being, as you said, on the other side of it. Oh yeah. I, I think back and it really brought me back. I, I did a, a zoom meeting last night with, um, Funship blog who was doing like a meetup for young people. And I was like, well, I'm in college, but I'm not like super young anymore. Can I still join? Um, and I was probably like the oldest person there, but it was really rad to see all these like young people still in college who are sober and sober curious. Um, and I just kind of explained to them, you know, a lot of them, the fear is FOMO, right? Like I'm in a fraternity, I'm in a sorority, I'm part of this club, everything we do revolves around drinking. A lot of, you know, colleges, like I went to Virginia Tech, it's such a small town, the only thing to do there is go to the bars or go to like, you know, uh, a Greek life party, there's nothing else there. So I totally think it's a valid, you know, fear to have, but the reality is, right, you're not actually missing out, like you're taking away from your experience. I look back at my college experience and I, I look back with regret because I spent, you know, three years there and I don't remember half of it because I was like yeah. on drugs and drinking so much. And then, you know, instead of really harnessing and being grateful for getting into such a good school and having you know, the privilege of having an education, I totally threw it away by partying and showing up to class drunk and not, you know, like not showing up to class at all. And eventually, you know, getting on academic probation and having to leave school to go to treatment, which yeah. was court ordered. Um, you know, it, wow. it, was either, yeah. it was either that or three months of jail for me. And obviously it was like, no, wow. thank you. Yeah. Um, but even then, you know, I, I looked back and I, I think, fuck, like, I really wish I had taken that time to enjoy the real college experience, right? Like, you're, you're, you get the freedom of adulthood without all the responsibilities yet. Not everybody, but my personal, you know, I was lucky enough to being, I was being supported by my parents as long as I was in school, they were helping me financially. And so I look back and I'm like, this was like the golden fucking age. I wasn't paying my own rent. Same, I had total yeah. freedom. <laughs> you know, I had my own nice apartment and I'm chilling and I literally treated it like trash and treated myself like trash and wasted my entire experience. Like instead of enjoying these amazing football games that we're known for, you know, yeah. uh, I was blacked out of most of the games instead of going to all these like I look at all the events that would happen and the clubs and just the involvement that I could have had that just wasn't even on my mind. Cause I was like, well, you know, we're going to taco Tuesday. We're going to bingo Wednesday, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to tots Thursday. And I, not to say that I don't have some good memories, you know, because that would be lying, but uh, overall, like if I could go back and redo it, I for sure would. And I would have a way better experience sober, like 100 fucking percent. Yeah. I think that's something that even for me, I think back to my college experience, I think that I would too. I mean, I was definitely involved, but it's drinking is just such a huge part of college culture. Like there's, when you're in it too, you feel the peer, the peer pressure, at least for me, I felt it so strongly where it's like, okay, well, 
everyone else is drinking. Like I should probably, you know, go out too. And then, like I said earlier, it just became this cycle. Like my senior year towards the end of it, I was like going out every night, like every freaking night. And I'm like, you know, I think back on it now, it's like, that was time wasted. Like also people think, you know, when you're drinking with your friends, they'll say, oh, well, we're just living in the moment. It's like, well, you're actually really so detached from the moment because if you're sober, that's when you're fully present, right? You're fully mindful. And it's like when you're drinking and you don't mm-hmm. barely remember what happened, that's not living in the moment. Literally the opposite. Yeah. And, and I, I get it, right? Like I'm not here to say that a lot of the things like alcohol does inhibit you. Alcohol does take away, you know, your anxiety temporarily. So it's for me, when I really talk to somebody who's serious about, you know, sobriety or even just, you know, a thousand hours dry, like my boyfriend's doing the challenge right now because he is, you know, finding himself kind of in that habitual drinking on the weekends, drinking too much sometimes and wants to break that. Um, And I, I told him, you know, I was like, you can't just not drink for 42 days. Like you have to figure out what you want your relationship with alcohol to look like, how you're going to deal with stress, you know, how, how you're going to socialize without alcohol. And he's lucky enough that I, you know, I'm getting tons of like, you know, free product and stuff that people send for thousand hours dry. So he's won the lottery when it comes to, you know, all these NA options. Um, So for him, it's not really, there's, there's not a big excuse, but I, I tell people, you know, I get it. Like, there's a reason that I partied as hard as I did for eight years. Like Mm -hmm. when, when people think like, oh, you know, because none of the people in my life right now, except for my boyfriend knew me when I was drinking. So to them, to them, you know, cause I'm, I'm living on the other side of the States now and I moved from LA down to Orange County. And so really um, the friends that I've made here, you know, because I've been sober for so long, it, they just, they don't know that side of me. And so, which is great for me because I was like an awful bitch, um, <laughs> but my boyfriend does cause we went to college together. <laughs> um, and so in a sense, you know, it's, it's cool because he's seen me through all of that and he still loves me you know, and still supports me. And uh, obviously I know no matter how bad shit shit gets, he's like ride or die, which is rad. But it's, it's funny to look at people who don't really know that side of me and kind of get the impression that I think a lot of people are worried about with their identity, right? Like Kayla's really reserved. She's really rigid. She's kind of boring. Like she doesn't come out that much, you know, like your girlfriend's really nice, you know, but uh, you know, we don't know a lot about her. And it's just so funny because when I do finally go and, you know, chat and people want to know, cause you know, people ask like, so you don't drink, why? Yeah. And I don't have a problem sharing. And I just kind of, the, the, what comes out of my mouth is so I imagine opposite of what they think I'm going to say, because for me, like I was getting into fights. I was like, I had assaulted a police officer, which I shouldn't be laughing, but yeah. um, you know, I was completely like out of control like I think uh for me like there was no like gradual uh you know it didn't start off slow I hit the ground running and started drinking at like 6 15 16 and I already had three underage alcohol citations by the time I graduated when I was 17 so like I for me like moderation doesn't work 
Like yeah. I've, I've drank a couple of times in the past four and a half years and it's not that anything crazy happened, but it was so not enjoyable. Yeah. You know? Um, but it, it, it is funny to, to hear people, you know, that if you're worried, I think if you're, if you're listening and you're worried that people will judge you, like my thought process is, you know what, I'd rather somebody think that I'm a little bit reserved and quiet than what a lot of people thought of me as before, which is like loud, inconsiderate, you know, unreliable. Um, a lot of the things that no one would ever say about me now, which is crazy, you know, because I think yeah. I was like, I was not to be trusted. And now, <laughs> you know, people rely on me for a lot of things. I, I'm in part of two businesses, which is crazy. So, um, you know, you just have to decide for yourself it, what's the trade off, right? Like, okay, so you have like 30% more fun than me at the party because you have less social anxiety, but like I get to feel totally fine the next morning and you get to feel like shit. Yeah. So like I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. I um I think that's a huge misconception that um sometimes circulates around with this kind of stuff is like people will assume, oh well she must be boring, you know, she must not like to have fun or do anything. And that's totally not true. Like back to what you said earlier of so many things now the activity being the drinking itself. It's like there is so much, I mean, obviously in this situation with the world right now with, uh, you know, the pandemic, it's a little bit different, but there's so much mm -hmm. to do that doesn't involve drinking, like so much. Yeah. Like go on a walk. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's totally free and you can literally do it anywhere and it's good for you. And it doesn't involve drinking. Like I didn't, I didn't realize personally, you know how enjoyable other things could be because I never gave myself the opportunity to do them. And I think that happens to a lot of people and it's scientific, right? So when you, when you drink, whether it's daily or whether it's just regularly, you basically screw up your pleasure baseline. So we all have our, our baseline for pleasure. You know, when we're younger, pretty much everything makes us happy. We're stoked about a lollipop, you know, we're stoked mm -hmm. about a new toy. And then, then as you get older and you start using more substances, your baseline starts going up. So it, it's, you know, I'm trying to think of a good way to say it without getting like too sciencey. Um, I know what you're trying to say. Like you, I, your, to your tolerance, I guess, uh, for, for pleasure and dopamine starts to go up. Yeah. So you basically whittle, you know, whittle your, your box down to, okay, well, the only things that really make me feel good anymore are, you know, maybe uh, cocaine and drinking and, you know, sex or something. Mm -hmm. So then those are the only three things that you start to go to when you feel like shit or when you want to enjoy yourself, because that's where you've set the bar. So when you go alcohol free, your body is naturally going to come back down to its baseline but it's going to take a little bit of time and you have to explore other hobbies in the meantime that once gave you pleasure or you know that you have, you know, the, the possibility of enjoying and give yourself that chance to rebuild that baseline. And, you know, I do Sudoku now, like I'm so <laughs> fucking, you know, like that's, yeah. you know, I would have never in a million years, like done that outside of an airplane. And now I like do it before bed, 
Yeah. And it actually, and it's enjoyable for me, just like how reading is enjoyable for me or cleaning is enjoyable yeah. for me. I totally relate to that. I mean, my, so my story, I'll just share it with you. My listeners know a little bit about my background, but the thing for me that really led to me wanting alcohol out of my life was, um, I had my spiritual awakening last year. So I had a lot of, mm. you know, pain and stuff that I was dealing with in my life. And once I started to awaken to that spiritual side of myself, I just started to slowly realize I'm like, this isn't fun for me anymore. I don't feel good doing this anymore. And from like an energetic standpoint, kind of like what you were saying with scientifically, alcohol actually lowers our vibration rather than raising it. So we always want to raise our vibration, right? So I found myself in this place of it just not resonating anymore. Like I just felt this resistance to it. And I'll never forget the last time I drank was at a Zed concert in New York City. I was with a few of my girlfriends and they were all drinking champagne, like going crazy. And I had like one glass of champagne and I literally was like, this is it. Like, this is the last time I'm drinking. I don't want to wake up yeah. over. Like, I don't want this to be a part of my life anymore. Um, and it was sort of that like mindset shift. Whereas, you know, I never, I'm such a different person like now than I used to be. And I'm sure you can relate as you were sharing, like, I love nothing more than to drink my cup of tea at night. Like I'm drinking tea right now um, or waking up early to read a book in my bed. Like that's one of my favorite things to do, which if you told me that a few years ago, I'd be like, what? Like that's something a grandma would do. Like that's not yeah, totally. Um, but it's literally like I find the smallest, like most mundane things now enjoyable, um, which I think is a huge perspective switch. And I think having alcohol out of the equation for me has been a, a big part of that. Oh yeah. I, I think don't put yourself in a box, right? Like so many of us are so attached to our identity of being the party girl, being, you know, the good time guy. And when you consider not drinking anymore, you basically have an identity crisis and that's totally relatable. But at the same time, like, do you want to be that person forever? Because realistically, that's what's going to happen. Like there's this preconceived idea that like, oh, if, if I just get older, like I'll grow out of it or it'll change. And it's like, no, dude, like it doesn't happen like that. My friends are, I have a ton of friends, you know, who are married, who are having kids now and stuff. And they're still doing the same shit. Like now they just have a toddler running around, which makes it even worse. Yeah. You know, or, you know, they, now they own a house. So now they can, you know, wreck their house or, or it's just, it doesn't change the way you think it does. So you have to change yourself because you can't just expect I'm going to grow out of this. You know, my environment's going to change. And so I'm not going to want to do this as much, but like the mommy wine culture is, you know, like, like we had said with Tropicana before, like it's crazy. I'm yeah. sure with, you know, with men, especially in the corporate, you know, world, like it is raging with alcoholism. And just everywhere. Oh, yeah, alcohol is everywhere. And so you have to kind of ask yourself, is this how I want to live? You know, like you said, and I had kind of a similar, you know, spiritual awakening, you know, an enlightenment moment for me that the moment I decided, you know, I'm done. Uh, and I, like you said, I think one of the kind of the, I don't want to call it a red flag, but when you like people are, I think people always ask, right? Like, how do you know when you're done? Because like, I'm, I'm sober curious or like, I've been trying to get sober for a while and I just keep going back. And for me, 
what I noticed the difference between like what was really the end and what was, you know, still me kind of holding on, like, it's like a, what you said, like, it's not fun anymore. So I just, you know, I, I have a memory of me sitting in my kitchen and pouring a glass of vodka and like, just like drinking it was like barium or something. Like I was like, Oh, why am I doing this? It's disgusting. Like I had to like force myself to do it because I didn't even really want to do it anymore. But in that moment, I really didn't know how else to like handle. You know, I was in a really volatile relationship with another addict and I didn't want to feel how I felt and I didn't have any other coping mechanisms yet. But I also had started to recognize like, this isn't working. This like really is not working anymore. Yeah. Um, and you have enough of those moments and you know, you're, you get enough seeds planted, right? Like, so you yes. get all these yeah. random seeds and then they start to grow and you start to just really get, it gets old. It's like watching the same fucking movie. If you had like the same movie on replay forever. And then you realize like, this is like, this is really fucking boring. I'm done. I'm tired. This is exhausting. Um, And for me, you know, I had a bad night, probably not my worst night, you know, but it was an accumulation of multiple small rock bottoms over the years, you know? And for me, you know, I'm, I'm driving back. I was visiting family. I'm driving back to LA. I'm stuck in traffic. Of course I'm coming off I'm like coming down hard because it's coming off drugs, coming off of, you know, binging the whole day. So I'm like, like throwing up in my McDonald's cup, Oh my God. stuck, stuck on the grapevine, like in the middle of the mountains, I'm crying because no one will talk to me. You know, I, I like fucked everything up. And I really, in that moment thought that I was gonna like lose everybody in my life. And that's when I had like, in AA, like when I did that before, like they call it a God shot. And even though I don't believe in God, like, I think that's a really cool way to put it like a God shot, a universe nugget. Yeah. A universe (laughs) Um, nugget. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Like it just, something switched. Like, I don't know how to explain it any other way. Like there was just, I, I think it's, to me, it's probably what people experience when they do like, uh, ayahuasca or, you know, something where there's just this transcendent moment of perception change. And for me, hitting this such, hitting this like uncomfortable, like I want to basically be, not even be dead, but I don't want to be alive. Like I don't want to live right now moment. And I had that switch and I was like, all right, like I'm getting my shit together. I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. And I, I didn't look back, you know, for a long time. And so I think you can't force that, unfortunately, but you can set yourself up, I think, by, you know, following sober accounts and trying to do dry spells and, you know, not forcing yourself because if you don't want to get sober yet, you're not going to stay sober. Yeah. But you can't, you can, you know, prepare yourself for when you are ready by, you know, getting all your resources ready, reading a lot of Quitlet, listening to a lot of podcasts and educating yourself, because that's one thing that a lot of people that are in the dry club tell us is that, you know, I didn't know like any of this information. And now that I know it, I can't unknow it. 
Yeah. And so it's really hard. It's really hard to go back to drinking when you know it's a carcinogenic, when you know what it's doing to your liver, what it's doing to your stomach lining, the increase that you have of getting, you know, cancer, especially breast cancer for women. It's yeah. like, you know, I can never go back to drinking soda. Like it's what 34 grams of sugar in one can of Coke. That's yeah. insane to me. And so that's just kind of how I see alcohol now. I just, it's like, I would, I think I would literally rather eat a piece of gum off the sidewalk. Yeah. I, you know what? It's so true. Like, <laughs> um, like gross, but yeah, totally you can't unlearn what you learn. Right. Like I think of it honestly as, as poison at this point, you know, just in every facet, it's like, why would I put that shit in my body? You know? Why? Yes. It's not serving me. It is not serving me in, in any way. It's not benefiting me in any way. I want nothing to do with it. You know? And it's not to say, like you said earlier, like I obviously too, if I want to get, you know, like a, a cheeseburger or something like, hell yeah, I'm going to go for it. Um, but knowing what I know now about alcohol specifically, no freaking way. Like I, people have asked me too, like, do they ever think I'm going to drink again? And I, I want nothing to do with it. Like I'm good, <laughs> you know? No, and this, and the thing is too, like, you know, I asked myself that question multiple times over, you know, over years and stuff. And I, I'm very transparent about my own journey. I have drank and, and some of it, you know, it, it's COVID. And for me, yeah. it was also like a lot of curiosity about mindful drinking and almost a little bit of research for me, because I'm like, you know what? I do believe in the diathesis stress model of addiction. I don't believe it's a disease. So I really do think that if you heal and if you work on, you know, why you're drinking, because to me, substance abuse is a symptom, then you should be able to moderate that just not that you have to, but right. Like if you are somebody who was drinking as a coping mechanism and you heal your trauma and you move forward then there shouldn't be any reason why you couldn't, you know, go back and have a drink. And so I kind of tested that theory and it was true for me. Like I consider myself fully recovered. I did not, nothing happened. Like, you know, I used to like get violent or just black out and be really mean. And my relationship with alcohol totally changed. It was not like that at all, but it was just not in, really enjoyable. Like I thought maybe it would be, you know, you have, I think a, I think everybody kind of has this thought in the back of their mind that like maybe one day I can go back and have a glass of champagne at my wedding or, you know, drink a glass of wine here and there. And I kind of experimented with that. And I did that uh, two or three times. And I was like, this is just, it, it's really not, it doesn't serve me anymore. Yeah. You know? And so for me, that was really cool and also really empowering because I was like, alcohol no longer has any power over me in any sense not as something that I have to be fearful of, not something that consumes my life. It, I'm indifferent to it. And to me, that's like, was a huge, that's like a way bigger step, right? And they tell you in relationships, like the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Like when you know you're indifferent towards someone, like it's fucking done. Yeah. And so for me, that was kind of my relationship with alcohol. Like I, I don't care about it anymore. It's just not something I want to consume. It's not something I need in my life. I love living the alcohol-free lifestyle. I love promoting it. I love waking up feeling great. I love going to the gym and, you know, exercising and knowing that 
my muscles are, you know, going to grow at the, at the rate that I allow them to, and with, you know, with supplementation and stuff, and I'm not putting shit in my body that's going to stunt my growth mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, but yeah, everybody's journey is their own thing. Right. And so just, I say, just don't put yourself in a box and don't, don't restrict yourself in any ways. Cause that can get you into trouble. If you're somebody like me who, uh, you know, I have other, other issues that I deal with outside of, uh, you know, substance abuse. And so I, I found that forging my own path really worked for me. And then having such a supportive community where I can be fully transparent and no one is saying, well, you have to start your day count over. Well, you're not really sober. Well, you can't do this. And my comeback is kind of like, well, fuck you. I started this community. So like I can do yeah. whatever I want, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, the only person that made up those rules was like a hundred years ago, some dude named Bill who like wrote a book that's like not even a medical journal and he just made up a random rule. So, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I think of it more as veganism and I don't know any vegans that go around being like, I have a hundred days vegan and I ate this piece of fish, so I'm not a vegan anymore. I have to start yeah. my veganism over. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's just silly. Like, yeah. I didn't unlearn anything, you know, that I have accumulated over the last three and a half years, right? And I continue to live an alcohol-free lifestyle. I continue to, to grow and to do my therapy and to do all my other self-care. It's when the relapse for me, like, that's why we... we have different terminology in dry club is that you have your fall forward, you have your slip and you have your relapse. So your fall forward is, you know, kind of like a slip. It's like when you, when you drink and you keep going, you keep going with your sobriety and you go, you know what, that was a mistake. I learned something from it though. You know, maybe I learned that it doesn't help with my anxiety anymore. It doesn't, you know, do X, Y, Z. And so you fall forward because you are continuing to progress. Like it, it's this idea that making a mistake is such a bad thing. Like you don't learn if you don't make mistakes. And so we have that, you have your slip, you know, which is, I'm not going to go rag on somebody because, you know, they, they maybe ordered a mocktail at the bar and it wasn't a mocktail and they drank it by accident or you know, they decided to, they were going to try having a glass of wine and then they had half and they were like, no, no, no. Like that doesn't change anything. And then of course you do have your relapse, which is when you do, for me, that's the dangerous one. And that's the, you know, the bender comes back. You're, you go back into old drinking patterns, you know, it's weeks, it's months, it's no longer a mistake or a learning lesson, you know, or a moment in time. This is a, a, uh, a backward step, you know, so you, you don't want to obviously fall into that. Uh, but the thing is, we're here for you, even if you do, like, I think half of our members are not even, you know, fully abstinent, they're sober curious. Um, and I want them to know that we're here no matter what, you know, there's no shame in going back to something that used to work for you. We all have done it, maybe not with alcohol, but with food, with yeah. eating disorders, with relationships, like we're all human. We make mistakes and I don't know one perfect fucking person. Like they just don't exist. Yeah, absolutely. We learn from our mistakes. They're always a learning experience. 
And I think such a huge takeaway from what you said too, is that this journey isn't one size fit all or fits all. Um, at least for everybody that I've met through, you know, social media, that's a part of this. I've talked to other people. Everyone has such a unique story. That's totally their own. So if you're listening to this and you're curious about, you know, if you are sober curious, if you're thinking about ditching alcohol, whatever it might be, recognize that your path doesn't have to be what someone else's path was. doesn't have to be my path, Mm -hmm. Kayla's, um, it's your story, right? So, um, think about it, think about what it is that you want I think a big part of it too is just assess your relationship with alcohol as a whole, why you think it should be a part of your life and why you don't want it to be anymore. You know, do some inner work, like self-reflection, I think would be a huge thing, but um, kind of switching gears for anybody that's thinking about, you know, ditching alcohol in this new year, you know, 2021, it's a clean slate. Um, Do you have any suggestions for people, resources they can access? What would you say is your biggest advice? So there are a ton of resources, right? And um, I'm going to do a shameless plug here, um, but obviously I would love to have anybody check out 1000 Hours Dry. We're an online community and educational platform. And our main uh, platform right now is Instagram. So it's just at 1000 Hours Dry. And what we personally, um, you know, provide is inspiration, education about alcohol consumption, how alcohol affects the body, we provide community and support. And then our specific challenge, if you are somebody who, you know, whether you're sober curious and you're, you know, considering abstinence or you just want to take, you know, a break, it's a 42 day challenge where you practice abstinence for 42 days and we guide you through that. We give you daily tasks. We have a totally free accountability tracker that I created based on behavioral psychology that you can uh, download and print out for free. That will kind of get you day through day and help you learn more about different kinds of drinking, gray area drinking, sober curiosity. Um, And you can just kind of expand your alcohol-free knowledge. That way, at the end of those 42 days, you can really make a decision for yourself as to how you want to move forward. Um, We also recommend a ton of different podcasts. If you go through our highlights, we have there's a ton of Quitlet, which is quit drinking literature. You can also just Google Quitlet, and there's a ton of great books. Um, I also personally love books about like habit changing. So Atomic Habit, The Power of Habit, Mindset, like all really great books that I'm reading uh, or have read or am reading right now. Um, podcasts, you know, like this one. I also have a podcast called The Dry Life. Um, and just looking up sobriety or sober in your podcast platform. There's a ton of good ones, Seltzer Squad, uh, Recovery Elevator, um, and connecting with other people. So if you're not ready, you know, to be super open about your sober curiosity, uh, that's totally fine. Uh, I know a lot of people who create anonymous Instagram accounts uh, and just you follow a bunch of people and start to learn and start to connect. And then when you're ready, You can open up about your name. You can open about maybe post a picture of yourself when you're ready, but there's no pressure. Um, But there's, there's a lot of great, you know, resources out there besides our community, you know, like we, I want to point you in the right direction. So, you know, there, there are specific groups for just women. There are specific groups for just men. You know, uh, there's apps that you can use, like our app. We have the Reframe app. We've been working with John Hopkins on that. And that's really a neuroscience-based app. If you're super serious about 
you know, changing your relationship with alcohol, I would recommend trying that out. We have a seven day free trial going on right now. Um, but for me, it's all about education, right? So I'm making sure that I'm listening to a new podcast every day. I love the hidden brain, um, trying to read 10 pages of a book um, and really immersing myself in the community and staying connected. Because when you have friends, when you have support, and when you start to find other people who have the same thought processes as you, or maybe the same experiences, you start feeling less alone. You start feeling more confident in your decision. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, the social media, you know, connection community aspect of it is huge. Um, And you'd be surprised at take it from somebody who had no idea, really, the landscape that I was entering. Um, There is such a supportive community out there, people who are, like you said, going through the same kind of thing. And um, I just want to commend you because you're doing some amazing stuff with a thousand hours dry. And it has totally helped me along my journey connecting with other people who are also alcohol free and realizing that, you know, we're not alone in this. There's, there's a lot of us out there um, and you'd be surprised. So um, I think you're, like I said, doing amazing things with a thousand hours dry guys. If you are interested in checking out any of this stuff, I'm going to leave links to all of it in the description for you. Um, poke around, you know, um, explore. It's definitely worth it. Um, it certainly has been for me. Like I said, the social media community connection has been a huge piece of it for me because um, a lot of people in my life are still drinkers. Um, and especially with the pandemic too, it's been harder to, you know, physically connect with other people who are in this space. But um, yeah, Instagram's a huge platform for that. So Kayla, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Of course. I enjoyed talking to you so much and I got to get you on the Dry Life podcast soon. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. Well, have a great day. Thanks.